Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 60. The most downloaded podcast episode today is still my chat with Kate Whitaker, a marketer of 30 years who shared insight into what it's like being a client and what clients want most from their agencies. So if you haven't listened to that one already, I'd recommend you go back and have a listen as I know you're going to pick up lots of tips. Well, today Kate's back and she's going to talk about what's changed for her since August 2020, which was when the pandemic forced us all to be locked down. So she's going to share what have been the biggest changes for her, her role and her organization in the last couple of years, how her needs have changed in terms of what she's looking for from agencies, some suggestions for how you can strengthen your relationships with clients while working remotely. And we talked about lots, lots more. So let's go over to the introduction now. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back a special guest of the show who is Kate Whitaker. And Kate is the head of corporate communications for Dual Group, a global insurance group. And she's got 30 years experience working in marketing in different UK and international roles and is very well versed in hiring and working with agencies. She's also on the judging panel for the IMG, which is the Insurance Marketers Group, the Young Marketer of the Year Award 2021. And I had the pleasure of chatting to Kate one year ago in August 2020 on the podcast and it's still the most downloaded episode that I have. She really did share some brilliant tips for agencies and particularly those in account management about how to manage client relationships. So if you missed that episode, I would really highly recommend that you go back and have a listen because hopefully you'll pick up lots of tips. Kate, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's absolutely lovely to be here, Jenny. It's amazing how we've come on sort of in the last couple of years and where virtual is just the thing we do now. So, you know, it's great to be with you. Honestly, and I'm really looking forward to diving into the questions, Kate, to get your perspective on how it has changed. So this is fantastic. Would you mind sort of kicking off by just spending a few minutes talking about you, your background and your role at Jewel? Absolutely. So I was thinking about this this morning on the way to work and Rather alarmingly, my career started before the internet was invented. And also, I kind of, and I Googled this to check, but mobile phones were only kind of just invented. And uh, I mentioned that not just to show how old I am, but just how the marketer's toolbox has changed over my career and probably will for your younger listeners and viewers, you know, will be the same for them as well. So I've, as you say, about 30 years in the industry. I'm a career marketer. I've been passionate about communication since the very beginning. And I love it. I still love it every day, which I'm really lucky. I'm head of corporate communications at Jill, which means I have a very global role. We're a business of about a thousand people. We're in 19 countries. And my role is to support group communications for the group CEO and the exec, but also one of central support for our global marketing community. There's about 30 of us. And you know, unlike the old days where there'd be like, you know, someone in the center saying, you must do this and you must follow these rules. I see my role, one of support, making sure that we have very small marketing teams in many of our countries, that they get as much support as they can from the center and that we leverage everything we do. And um, just conscious of your agency audience. I don't want that to sound negative because 
yes, we do take projects from country to country and, and reuse them in different markets. But what that actually means is we find we can invest more in some projects where we know they're going to add global value and they're going to be reused in different markets. So it's really nice when you're looking at something like a global corporate video and you're doing it for 19 markets. Amazing. And I remember how inclusive you were as a leader. So that sounds amazing. Actually, when we last spoke, it was August 2020. And obviously, it's been more than a year. It's been more like two years, coming up two years. And so much has changed, obviously, in the world since we last spoke. For you in your role at Dual, what have been the biggest changes since? And obviously, for those listening, we spoke just as the pandemic was kind of starting and kicking in, wasn't it? Now we're kind of getting out of it and we're past it. So what's changed? I think, yeah, when we spoke before, we were still really in a world of uncertainty. And although we were finally able to go to the pub again, not that that'd be the first thing that springs to mind, (laughs) but I think we've just all been on a digital learning journey and not just for those of us in the marketing, but with our internal and external audiences. And I think the biggest challenge and change for us is helping our internal business teams connect with their audiences in ways they just weren't used to. So particularly in the London market, specialty insurance is very much a face-to-face. We have a drop-in area for brokers who come in and talk to us to get cover. You had a physical stamp and a signature on a piece of paper. So all these things have changed during lockdown and, you know, digital technology has helped us overcome them. But it's also been a cultural piece as well. And I think if you look at our Italian business, they did everything face-to-face, 100% face-to-face. It had roadshows several times a year. And they went 100% digital and built an in-house media studio, which now everybody in the rest of the group really envies. And I think what's been interesting is how we've taken what's been a challenge and made an opportunity out of it. And yes, of course, I don't want to sound too Pollyanna. It's not all been perfect, but there's been a real, I think, positive step change in how people are embracing new ideas. Incredible. Can you tell us a bit more about that in-house media studio and kind of how it's used? So you can imagine the Italian culture, it's it's very face-to-face, it's very personal relationships. And, you know, our managing director would know everybody individually and they would go on a roadshow several times a year. And they really missed seeing people and being able to connect. And we did a few webinars and then they literally invested in a proper TV studio. So we have space for panels. We have the ability to run webinars from there. And they've really put the time in, the investment in to make it something that really works for them and their clients. And now they can also do a number of virtual events with some people present in the room and panels of people, you know, discussing different topics and then connect with a virtual audience all over Italy. Gosh, so they're really investing in connecting on a deeper level with their customers through the power of, you know, TV, the medium and those virtual events. And I mean, were you involved? I was just thinking in terms of the agency role in this. Did the Italian team have an agency helping them do that? Do you know? I mean, it's probably too detailed because you're so global. Yeah, they work with a specialist supplier, like a technology partner, to make sure they had the right equipment and to get the training in. And obviously with creative to get the branding right. So as you said, I wasn't day-to-day involved and um, just slightly jealous still. Yeah, <laughs> but, but as you said, is it something that you're looking to leverage across the group? Certainly we're looking at leveraging those ideas. Not all of our offices have the space. You know, some of our offices are already five or six people. So not all of us have the space to create a media studio, but look at replicating that approach is something that we are 
sharing everywhere. Mm, Very interesting. Can you share any other sort of digital transformations that have happened in the last couple of years? Can you think of anything that's really changed across the group? So I think another example, maybe not a transformation, but probably like everybody, we picked up teams to talk to and Zoom to talk to our UK colleagues and then realised we should be doing it the same for everyone. So just as an internal example, I worked directly for the CEO and he has a breakfast club, which was a UK London based thing. And now we have that with colleagues from all over Europe joining us. And sometimes even if we change the times from the US and from Australia through these global marketing calls that I now hold every couple of months, we're sharing ideas in a way that just didn't happen before. And as an example, our Australia team created a video on cyber insurance, so insurance against cybercrime, and it's being reproduced in Italian and in Finnish. And in fact, our head of Finland sat in the cupboard with a blanket over his head to do the voiceover (laughs) because there weren't really very many options in lockdown. But, you know, we work with local agencies to produce those local language versions, but the original idea was shared from our Australia office. So really, it's helped the organisation work better internally to kind of share those big ideas and making sure that there's economies of scale and, you know, everyone's not investing tens of thousands into developing new ideas when you can leverage those from other areas. Yeah. Absolutely. But I I think, again, not necessarily negative for agencies, because if you've not got to spend time creating something from scratch, you've got time to spend on another project and to to create something of your own. So in the example of the Italian office who used the Australian cyber video, they actually created two or three videos that came out of that initial idea. So they were still investing time with their agency, but just taking that idea further. I was just thinking, just very quick thought, really, from a proactive point of view, if for example, there's an agency listening that are working perhaps with a UK only, you know, head of comms or head of branding, and they do a good initiative that goes down really well in the local market. And knowing that there is an actual global part of the organisation, it's something that they could proactively suggest, wouldn't it? You know, how could we share this across the organisation? Or do you think that would be useful just opening up that conversation? I mean, obviously with the dual group, you've got a forum that you are sharing those ideas, but maybe like you were prior to that, that you didn't have that forum sharing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and definitely, I mean, we went through a rebrand a year before lockdown. So we'd only really recently come together as a marketing group. And I think it's cemented through lockdown. But I would definitely recommend, you know, don't think just because something's got an English voiceover and you know, more of an English audience or a British audience, then don't think it can't work somewhere else. Great, great idea. Kate, with agency account managers, sometimes they're trying to get hold of their client and their client is never available, right? And sometimes account managers get really frustrated, say, how could I possibly reach my client? They just don't seem to be answering me. And I think sometimes there's a lack of understanding of how much the client has to do. So would you mind sort of sharing a day in your life, in your role, just to give some context to how much time you actually spend with your agencies and suppliers? Yeah, not enough. Not not enough, not as much as I'd want to. And, and one thing I love about the role at Jewel is it's, it, it is so varied. And just today, I've been dealing with, dealing with, working on projects with teams in Mexico, in Spain, in Italy, in North America, and the UK. And out of the UK, our marketing team supports 20 different teams all with different business models and different product areas. So we've got a lot going on. And unfortunately, when you have that many clients, internal clients, 
all of them have an equal voice. And so something you thought was priority when you got up in the morning no longer is a priority by 11 o'clock. I can imagine it's quite hard on the agency side because you're expecting a reply on something and then it doesn't come and you think, well, is it me? Is it, you know, it's obviously personal. It's not personal. It's often just, you know, the differing demands on, on things that fall into our inbox. And I think I had a really good example. As you know, I've got a very strong relationship with my agency and we had a brief for a corporate video that I wanted to produce. And for the best will in the world, I wanted to put aside three hours to get this brief together. And I never found those three hours. And I spoke to them and said, oh, it's not done. And they said, just come over. We'll talk through it. And then we can write the brief for you and replay it back to you. And I think I've talked a lot about agency fit and how you want to make sure that you know, you've got a strong relationship and you work as a team. But actually knowing that with confidence, I could turn up at the agency, we could just park that time, spend some time discussing. Actually, we came up with a much better brief than I would ever have produced on my own. Wow. I think that's a really good tip for anyone listening, because, you know, how often has an agency waited and waited for a brief? Why not co-create the brief with the client? Proactively suggest doing that. And I know it's not always that simple, but if you can think of how we do it another way, because if you're working with a client you know, and they're working with you, they still want to work with you. So it definitely won't be personal. But just how do you tackle the time issues or the, you know, the demands on the person's time? Do you think it's worth the account manager kind of asking questions to really understand how much pressure the client is under or their internal schedule to kind of be more cognizant of what's going on in their world, but also perhaps to come up with different ways to communicate? So again, I think that's a really great idea. And the challenge for the account handler, the account manager will be to find a time where it feels like it's a productive use of time for the client and not try and shoehorn it in between meetings because then it will just possibly feel irritating. So, you know, frame the question, how can we work better? How can we support you better? And, you know, a good idea is to do it in perhaps in a more social environment. So, and choose breakfast. My advice would be choose breakfast as long as your client's a morning person rather than lunch because you know, you start breakfast, you finish breakfast, and then you get on with your day. And lunch can sometimes feel like an interruption when you've got a very busy schedule. Love that. How can we support you better? And you can't really ask that enough, can you? Like, is there anything that we could be doing better? How could we support you better? How could we communicate better? I love the idea about suggesting a breakfast meeting. Would that necessarily have to be face-to-face or could you do it over Zoom? Or is it only face-to-face you're thinking of that particular? I cannot be the only person that does other things while I'm on Zoom and Teams. You know, we're, we're all cursed with the notifications that pop up at the bottom of our screen and phone things happening. I just think there's no substitute for taking, even if it's only 40 minutes face to face and being fully there in the moment. And, and you know, you talk about agencies not being able to ask that question enough, but if you've got a strong agency relationship, I'm also thinking, how can I support my agency? How can I keep them informed what we're doing so they don't suddenly think there's something wrong? When we've got corporate events going on, I try and keep them updated and make sure they know that they can just, you know, check in with just a couple of lines of an email. So I think it's important it's both ways. I mean, I said this last time, you know, if you want that relationship to work, it has to be something from the client and from the agency working towards a common goal. I think that's a fabulous idea. I really do like making sure that it suits both sides. And it actually reminds me when I was working at one of my ex-agencies, I used to have a conversation as I was walking into work with the client because it suited both of us. 
So equally, you prefer breakfast. There may be clients that prefer to kind of get their work done during the day and then go and then just have a chat at the end of the day. So lovely, lovely ideas. Kate, what have you seen has changed or evolved over the past couple of years in terms of how you've needed your agency to support you? To be honest, it's been more of the same, but more intense. And I think one of the great things I get from my agency is that external perspective, because I love dual assisting the company. I'm 24-7 with the company. And I don't always see what our competitors are doing well, or even other sectors are doing well. And you might be a consumer experiencing something, but actually it's really helpful now and again for your agency to pop up and go, oh, did you see this company's done that? And that seemed to work quite well. And just sort of being on your side, but with an external perspective is incredibly useful. And because the last two years have seen people innovate, test, fail, test, succeed, there's been lots of things people have tried And the world's sort of receptiveness to messages has changed, I think, as well. You know, we all get zoomed out. But actually, when someone cuts through that, it's actually quite exciting. And you go, oh, someone realizes, you know, who I am as a consumer. So, you know, I think an agency can really help a client get a better understanding of what's going on around them and things that they can test and try and maybe fail but probably succeed. And getting quite granular now, I think it's a fabulous idea. Brilliant that the agency should start thinking about the external environment and what they can bring to their clients. What is the best way to deliver that information? The reason I'm asking Kate specifically is some agency account managers, for example, they have Google alerts set up and they think by just sending a link to a client, hey, look at this, that's kind of adding value. But can you be more specific about how you personally like to receive information about you know, competitors, customers. I talk to my team about this a lot and it's the the value add that we bring by being the interface. Because if it was just a Google alert, I could do that myself. But actually what I value is the insight or perspective of the person that's sharing that with me, which is I saw this and I really liked it or I saw this and I didn't like it because or this could work for you for this product area. And so it's they're thinking of us, not just feeling like you're part of a mailing list, but actually it's part of a conversation. And I think that's what makes the difference. And it's, I suppose it comes back to the account manager having point of view and being able to have a point of view because they understand the sector. Yeah. But also, you know, my responsibility to make them understand our business as well, Mm. or to help them understand our business. Mm. So, you know, if I don't share our new product areas, then how can they possibly be proactive on ideas on how to promote those new products? Do you involve your, this is a random question, do you involve your agency in your yearly planning? We haven't really done any yearly planning for the last two years. I mean, we start off with a plan and then two months in, it just goes... Tear it up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) goes out the window. So what I do do with all of our suppliers, not just our main agency, but I mentioned earlier, you know, we work with a lot of teams and someone might come up and say, oh, we'd like to do this. And you think, that's an interesting germ of an idea. How might we execute that? And what I do more and more, I think in the last two years, is I'm sharing that with the agency right at that point, going, someone just came up with this idea. What do you think? I mean, should we have a quick chat about it? Because it's, it, you know, you can go down a route and then it sort of goes nowhere. But actually, if you do that co-creation right at the start, then you'll either work out it's not an agency thing and it's internal or it absolutely is an agency thing or there's a different way to make that happen. And I think 
that's been a big change. With your yearly planning, obviously, because there has been so much change in the last two years, would you have said that up until two years ago, you did have like a yearly plan on what you were going to be doing? Well, I've been on this, in this role three years, so we did have a plan. And, and to be fair, we have a plan now, but it is quite loose because we know how much things are going to change. And as an example, last year, we made four acquisitions and we'd only previously made three in the previous 20 years of our business. So things popped up that none of us were expecting. Um, so, yes, we have a plan. We have objectives. All the teams have objectives. Our agencies understand where we're trying to get to. And any key milestones like events we're attending and new markets we're entering. But it's quite hard to do anything much more than strategic tactical, if you know what I mean. So if we know where we're trying to get to, sometimes it's quite day to day on the execution. Okay, fair enough. And what about, I mean, you've just said it really, but the corporate objectives, like from the CEO and C-suite perspective, do they have kind of at the beginning of your financial year you know this is what we are aiming for in terms of growth numbers sales you know last year we had 44 percent organic growth wow yeah so it was our best year in 24 years as an organization and so yes we have a plan of growth and we know the regions in which we want to achieve growth and we know the product areas where we expect to achieve growth and then life happens you know, lots of companies talk about having a very entrepreneurial culture, but Jewel is exceptional. We are an employee-owned, private equity-owned, with no shareholders, no external shareholders. So if something seems like a good idea, sometimes we change direction and follow that good idea. So we have top-level growth plans. We have an overall vision to be the best underwriting business we can be. And that deliberately applies to everybody. So we've all got this vision to do things, do it once, do it well and to deliver the best client solutions. And that genuinely comes out in research that we do achieve that. Sometimes the how changes from month to month. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, where you see an agency as particularly strategic and understanding your market, would you consider a situation where, as well as them doing campaigns for you on an ad hoc basis, that they would have like quarterly meetings with you from a more strategic point of view, thinking, you know, are we on track to reach your corporate objectives? You know, what are the big picture stuff happening, Kate? Are you having any acquisitions this month? What other areas of the business can we support you with? Or maybe this is what we're seeing in the marketplace right now. This is where we think that we predict the future being. Would that be a useful forum for you to have that more strategic platform? 100%. And to be fair, we do do that. So I actually make sure I carve out the time to have those regular conversations. And we might put it at the end of a project related meeting and just say, okay, let's, you know, maybe have a sandwich and sit back a bit and just talk more generally about where we're going. But for example, we have a global marketing forum where everybody's coming together in London this September, the first time for three years, which we're super excited about. And the agency will be part of the planning for that, the support for the teams while they're in London and helping us you know, deliver the agenda as well. So we see them very much as part of our team and helping us deliver the strategic plan, actually, and helping us take steps back from those day-to-day projects. You know, sometimes just, you know, reminding us that we need to take a step back and um, think about what's happening six months two years, three years. 
Would you say that they challenge you? Absolutely. But I would say also I challenge them. So there's no point paying for expertise. And it isn't just a transactional relationship. Of course, it's not. But there's no point paying for expertise unless you actually allow them to be experts. And you're the expert in your business. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, you come to a much better result if you have an environment where each person can challenge the other because it's done constructively for the same objectives. It's not combative. And we have great debates and usually we'll come out with a much better solution. I think there must be agencies listening, thinking, wow, that sounds like the ideal position for us to be in with our clients. You know, Kate, obviously, clearly there's a lot of trust that's built up with your agency. You see them as a strategic partner. You've involved them in your global marketing forum with the agenda and the involvement in the content, et cetera. What advice would you give for an agency listening that aspires to be there, but the client sees them as like an order taker? I think um, it's like any relationship, right? It's quite easy to get imbalances, isn't it? But one person thinking they're going to get married and the other person is just dating, whatever the right analogy is. Great. And there are always going to be relationships you have that are quite executional because the nature of whatever service they're providing is more in that way. But I think because I've worked at lots of different companies, and as you know, I've worked on a lot of rebrand projects and agency recruitment projects, the best way to cut through the fluff is to be really upfront about what sort of relationship you want. And I think that lead has to come from the client, but the agency can say, what sort of service do you want from us? How involved do you want us to be? And how can we make that happen? And I think like any kind of relationship counselling now and again, you might need to create an opportunity to kind of revisit that. And maybe that's saying, let's take a day out or take an afternoon out. Let's go rowing or, I don't know, walk around the park or, or do something that's not work-related, but really understand at the end of it, there's an agenda to say, right, how do we work together? And, and I think any agency has got to accept they'll have some clients that will treat them as order takers and executional and will be very happy with that. And others will want a deeper relationship because like me, we've got a very small marketing team and I really value their strategic input. It's a tricky one, isn't it? You're absolutely right. Some clients just need the order taken. That's all we want you for. We don't want anything else. But where there is an opportunity, you know, sometimes agencies want to be more proactive and come up with relevant ideas to present to the client to say, look, this is what we're thinking. This is what we're seeing. You know, some of the competitors in this space are doing this. And that's where the client might start leaning in. However, if they don't understand the client's strategy or goal, then the danger is that they come up with those ideas proactively, but they're off point. And they look as if they're being a bit salesy and chucking ideas forward. That is a tough one. I think, you know, you've got to be, as an agency, I think you've got to be upfront and say, we would like to know more about your business so that we can do what we do as well as we can. And not necessarily be pushing the sales side of, and we can do more for you, but just we'll better understand you and therefore we can better deliver the projects that that we're working with you on. And then naturally that will develop, I think. Yeah, great idea. We actually invited a couple of our favourite clients to our agency for an afternoon on a Friday and they gave us an hour's chat about their business. And the whole agency came in and listened. And it was not only a great bonding experience, but we learned really a lot about their world. So that's a great suggestion. Thank you for sharing. No, I think that's a brilliant idea. And actually, in our September forum, 
we've got two people coming from two of the businesses we acquired last year and they are going to give a presentation on their business and you know obviously to a very interested audience but it's the best way to find out and people like talking about themselves of course they do here we are on a podcast yeah, exactly okay obviously everything's gone online we've been talking about the digital transformation and all these initiatives virtual events virtual meetings many account managers have kind of struggled a little bit with asking me the question, how do I bond? How do I create a relationship when it's all virtual? And unlike, you know, some clients have not gone back to the office and they don't intend to, a lot of agencies have gone fully remote. So this is set to continue. So any insight or tips into how to kind of develop a relationship virtually? That is such a tough one because obviously you and I have met in person and that helps our relationship when we're you know, talking virtually. And there is no substitute for a face-to-face. I would think even if it means a travel and it's lunch in a local pub and it's not going to happen very often because it's quite a journey, try and get a regular, even if it's once a year, face-to-face meeting in and try and make it less worky and more social. And then you can build on that in the next call. And I think, you know, a lot of us love not having the commute. I'm in the office today, but I'm not in the office every day. And a lot of us love the productivity we get sometimes when we're working at home because you can get through quite a lot when you don't get interrupted by your colleagues. And we also value face-to-face. So I think, you know, maybe find something that your client likes doing or find a time that's going to work for them, not in the afternoon if they've got a school run, you know, middle of the day, if that's something for them. And just suggest maybe something a bit more social, but maybe just have to travel a bit further to make it happen. But I genuinely, and maybe this is my 30 years in the industry, but I genuinely don't see a substitute for face-to-face, but really building on a relationship. Yeah. And really, wherever you are in the world working, there's no excuse not to kind of make the effort, you know, once a year, like you said, even just to meet face-to-face in some suitable forum. And I think it was a great point about listening to the client and what they like and how it would fit in with them and their preferences. Brilliant. Another completely different question. Do you have a procurement department at Jaw? Yes and no. We're a business of about a thousand people globally, but we're part of a wider group of ten and a half thousand people. And we do have a team that can support us with contracts, but not with, for example, a shortlist of agencies or a shortlist of printers. And so we will normally do that agency supplier you know, research ourselves and it's our decision really and I again because I've got quite a lot of experience in working with agencies and hiring agencies I will always have you know, selection criteria on why you would choose one agency over another but inevitably it's going to be a chemistry as part of that but here our procurement team just support you with contracts. Wow so you've got quite a lot of the decision making power in this instance to select as you say and have you worked with procurement departments in the past? Oh, yes. <laughs> Can you share any insight into how that has worked? It, you know, it brings it, the good procurement teams are fabulous because they'll really work with you. They understand the criteria. They understand it's not just, like, you know, the financials. And it should be so much more than that because it's about value for money and the quality of thinking you're getting and the experience in your sector and then of course the worst ones it's about how much does that cost and to do any kind of pitch purely based on just the money is really hard when you're working in a creative environment and I think it's also about 
you know, talking about relationships, building relationships through agency, can you work with them? You know, and the cheapest agency might be one you really love working with or not. And I think that's working with an agency is, I think, investing the same amount as recruiting new people to your team. It should be somebody you look forward to seeing, you look forward to spending time with and adds value both ways. And procurement sometimes in some places can get in the way of that, I think. Interesting. I've had a few chats with procurement specialists uh, on this podcast. And I think I agree when you have a strong procurement team that are very supportive of really being supportive with the marketing team and helping them select the right partner for value rather than cost. I think it can work extremely well. But as I can tell that you've had different types of experiences in the past and it depends on the culture of the organisation, I suppose. It's also easier to talk about the things that went wrong than the things that went right. I remember on one particular project I was working on, which was appointing a new website agency, the procurement team were amazing because they came up with all the paperwork and the spreadsheets and the scoring. And, you know, they did all the background checks on financials. So we were able to work really effectively and come up with a very good solution. And and that was, you remember it, but actually the ones you remember really are the ones that didn't work as well. And do you have any advice for anyone listening from an agency perspective that perhaps has been working with their client and they don't know whether there's a procurement department involved or they are trying to maybe create more relationships within the organisation? Would you say that procurement is one to certainly develop the relationship with? Absolutely. And because I've worked at a number of companies on projects, because, you know, I worked as a consultant before I was here in a permanent role. I always took the time to sit down with a procurement team and really explain what I was doing. And I think so often people don't do that. And so if they don't understand the rationale of what you're looking and why you're looking and why you've chosen that criteria, they'll treat it as transactional. And so I think it's like anything, you invest the time, you probably get something back more than you invested. Just out of interest, I mean, you've obviously, you're working with an agency that you're really happy with and you're probably not looking at the moment, but how often does that come round, or does it very much depend on what's kind of happening with the existing agency relationship? You know, if I'm going to go back to the sort of dating marriage analogy, we've got a happy marriage at the moment and, you know, I'm not going to rock that boat. We both enjoy it. We both get a lot of value out of it. And I guess things that could prompt that is if they were approached by a competitor and that changed the dynamics. But at the moment, not looking for anybody else. And you know, we're very happy where we are. But I think it's good for neither side to get complacent because if you become a less interesting or less involved client and your agency gets approached by another competitor, then they're going to be more interested. Whereas I'm hand on heart sure that my agency would not talk to anybody that they would see as a competitor of mine at the moment. Mm. Mine, ours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just goes to show that the situation can change. And actually it leads me to my next question about you know, constantly adding value to your client relationship from the agency's perspective. If your agency was to surprise you with some relevant kind of future focused ideas and sort of jaw dropping insights to help you and your business, what areas would they fall? I think we touched a little bit on this earlier because I have such a busy role and and possibly this is my fault. I don't often enough put my head above the parapet and check what the rest of the world is doing. And I think that's become harder and harder also in lockdown because naturally where I may have gone to an industry social event or, you know, even the um, insurance marketers group, you know, have networking events very often. And so you naturally chat to competitors and you have a very, you know, open discussion about what's happening in their world. 
it's been harder to do that. And so the extra insight that my agency gives us is prompted or unprompted views on what's happening in the sector, what's happening outside the sector. But that is really dependent on me giving them enough so they know the direction we're going in. Because as you say, otherwise, sometimes you can fall on your face by providing information that doesn't feel relevant and that jars a little. So that's got to work both ways. And And I would really say to any clients listening to this or watching this that you get out what you put in. You really do. That's so true. So any external perspective on competitors, the sector, any other sector that's doing something particularly well that you can learn from. Many agencies at the moment are following what's happening with the evolution of the metaverse, for example, and virtual, you know, we're doing virtual events already, but that's going to become even more sophisticated in the future, isn't it? Where we have these immersive technologies that are going to enable us to kind of communicate more person to person. Has that touched you in any way yet? like using VR or? We've had several projects looking at things internally, but we've not done anything external yet. And that's sort of within the wider group. And it's interesting because we've got a big insurance event in May and it's the first time it's been held, obviously, for a few years. And everyone's really excited about the face-to-face. But what I'm really interested about going along with seeing is what people are doing differently. You know, will it feel the same as you know, just rewind to pre-lockdown and it's, you know, just rent stands and handing out pens? Or are people going to be treating things differently, looking at sort of hybrid of virtual and what, how people continue the conversation afterwards? Lovely. You've really provided some great tips, Kate, for agencies about what to do. And I would just be interested to hear if there's anything that you can think of off the top of your head about what not to do with your client. Probably just to go back a point I made earlier is agencies and clients try and have an early conversation about how you both see that relationship working you know how proactive do you want your agency to be because I can imagine it be frustrating to put time and effort into researching something for a client and they just go sorry no not interested but say oh we could do this should we give it a go you know try and get some agreement so that things don't come left field. They think, why have you done that? You know, so it's surprising, not in a good way. And also, you know, you're very conscious that if your agency deliver you something you've not asked for, that's cost time and money. So who's paying for it? And I'm deeply suspicious on things like that. So I think just try and be as open and transparent and maybe flag things maybe before you do them. You know, we're thinking of doing this, would it be helpful? And even if there's a cost or no cost, to be explicit about that. I love Um, that. Yeah, no surprises. No surprises. And actually, you've opened up a a little kind of doubt, actually, because it's worth clarifying, isn't it? To say from the outset, look, you know, typically for other clients, for example, we do tend to share proactive ideas that we come across that are relevant to your sector, your competing environment. This is just proactive ideas that we don't charge you for, but we think it as added value. Would that be useful? Now, that from the outset of a relationship would be the perfect segue, wouldn't it? Then. And if the client says, well, that's absolutely fine, that's allayed any fears that you had that you were being charged for that and path the way for them to sort of come up with those ideas. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be right at the beginning because, you you know, you could even have an opportunity to say, well, we've got someone new that's coming to the agency and they've had a couple of ideas we'd like to share with you. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be, 
oh, we didn't talk about it at the beginning, so we can't do it now. I think all relationships evolve and good ones evolve in a good way. Absolutely perfect point. I'm so glad you made it because agencies are evolving and actually they're really recruiting hard now at the moment. And opening up different services within their businesses. You know, we never used to have SEO, but now we've just got an SEO specialist wanted to let you know that. So thank you for drawing the attention. Any final advice for agencies or agency account managers listening who want to add more value to their clients? We've talked a lot. So is there anything that we haven't covered that you think could make them more indispensable? I think you've got to know your clients and find a way to do that that feeling intrusive because the better you know your client the easier it is to spend 10 minutes one morning sending them something that makes them smile and it it could be just a silly video but that's quite interesting and remember that you're adding value not just a post box so you know if you're going to send a link or you're going to send information give a view and client might not agree with you or might have well that's interesting but but it starts the debate and the conversation and that's what you want to continue Lovely. What a great note to finish on. Kate, that has been amazing as usual. Thank you so much for joining me again. I really appreciate it. And this has been amazing. So if there's anyone that's listening that wants to talk further with you, or is there anyone particular that you would welcome contacting you? And if so, how? I'm very happy for anyone to contact me on LinkedIn, but we're not looking for a new agency just to let people know. But I'm always happy to create connections. Um, No, it's a small world. Great. We'll put that in uh, caps at the bottom. No new agency at the moment. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Jenny, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Kate. You know, understanding how to develop client relationships and grow accounts is essential for any agency account manager. And yet too often, there is no real guidance in how to do it. So if you're in a client-facing role and you want to hone your account management skills, then check out my Account Accelerator program on my website, which is accountmanagementskills.com. Many agency account managers have told me the biggest shift for them after my program is a newfound confidence when handling client relationships. So take a listen to what some past participants and agency leaders have said about confidence. And if you think that this might be a good fit for you, then book a call with me and we can have a quick chat. The next one starts on the 10th of May. I'll see you on the next one. It just gave me a framework. It gave me foundations. It gave me confidence, I think, just to go back in and, and say, this is tried and tested. So I didn't imagine that I, I you know, I, that I would be confident in, in fulfilling. I thought it'd be a step towards it, but it's kind of a few steps towards where we want to be so that's a real positive and then that helped me just know what i was saying feel confident um in in that approach super boost uh for, for us and 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 individuals involved because what we've required of them they've now been given the tools and confidence to deliver it's just given me that m- massive confidence boost to actually question things and and go in there with just a bit more of a managerial attitude. My confidence as an account manager is, it's, it's hard to put that into words, like just how much more comfortable I feel now.